Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I am joined by my friend, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. How are you doing? I'm good, Brayden. How are you? I am doing well. I'm a little warm, but it's okay. We're hanging in there. Summer's almost over. Um, Brenda, this is now, I guess, technically the third time you've been on my podcast. Not this podcast, but you are on my old podcast. Yes. Yeah. I do remember that was when I was literally just getting started. Um, I think that podcast made it about 30 episodes before I shut it down. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think my episode number was pretty early on in that series as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First 30. I just, I just like, didn't really know what I was doing. Basically, I was trying to create, like recreate Jenna Kutcher's Gold Digger podcast. And I'm like, turns out when you've only been in business for like a year and a half, having like a general business podcast doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> So then we launched Unfuck Your Biz and we're like, no, we're just going to stick to my wheelhouse this time, tax and law. And now I've expanded it like a little bit more to generally like finance, profit, all that good stuff. Makes more sense, I think. Um, I mean, we are going, we have you tentatively as episode 242 for some context. Wow. Yeah, we're doing the thing. Um, All right, Brenda. Well, let's get into your story a little bit more. Tell my audience just like brief overview, broad background of who you are and what you do. So I have run a, well, let's step back. I've been an entrepreneur for over 22 years. And the majority of that has been running a website development company in one form or another. I I co-owned a digital marketing agency for a period of time. And then I left that and I was focused specifically just on website development and it's kind of evolved over the years, but I was just telling you before we jumped on here that after 22 years of running a website development company, as of September 1st, which is about what, three weeks from now, Uh that business is officially retired completely. No more website services. Uh It is time. It is past time. If I'm being completely honest with myself and now I am a hundred percent all in on teaching all things Canva. Nice. Okay. So are, have you been given the name the Canva queen yet? A few times. Yes. Okay. It's just fitting. It's just fitting. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I love it. So yeah, you're, you're okay with it. Okay, cool. So a lot of my audience probably know you. I have a feeling it might be, you might be in a position where I am and where people are like, oh yeah, that person like sounds familiar, but if they haven't like really met you, met you, they're, they're going to it on today's episode, which we love. So take us back. Um, uh, when did you decide, like, when did you decide, oh, Canva, like, that's what I'm going to teach. So I didn't decide that so much as um, my fellow course takers in DCA decided for (laughs) me. Um, I actually joined DCA in fall, September 2019, and I went in with the plans of creating a website course and given my background makes total sense. And I, even then I kind of knew I wanted to get away from just doing done for you and wanted to be able to focus on the education side of it. Was that going to be a, a WordPress course? Um, Not specifically. It was not necessarily going to be tied to a particular platform because it was going to address a lot of the kinds of things that, you know, small business owners need to ask themselves in terms of figuring out what platform they should be building their website on. That was always the biggest question I ever got was, um, you, you know, there's so many different ways to build your website. What is the right way for me? So it would address things like that and how to make sure that you're, you have a secure website, how to make sure your website is backed up properly and that you have, you know, it's mobile friendly, all these things that go into creating a good website experience. So that's what I came into DCA planning to build a course around, but I had also been using Canva since 2014. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime you, you start using a program, you, over time, you forget the learning curve 
and you become, it just becomes part of your daily workflow. And because I didn't realize that I had this thing that I was very good at that other people wanted to learn how to do. Canva was just one of the tools that I used. So when I was in the DCA community and I was asking questions about my website course and all of this, all these people were asking questions about using Canva or what can I use to create my checklist or, you know, just all the kinds of questions that still come up on a regular basis for course creators. And I started answering them and I started creating little trainings and little videos. And then people started saying, oh, is this what your course is about? And that is like the, the moment of the pivot where I realized, okay, nobody's asking questions about website courses and things like that, but everybody in this community wants to know how to use Canva either for the first time or better in order to support their course. So total switch. Yeah. I think we all go through that at a certain point or hopefully if, if people haven't, they will just the realization of like, Oh, this is what, like, I, this is what I think, or this is what I know people need versus this is what people think that they need. And the thing what they need is the much easier thing to much easier thing to sell for sure. Well, Well, and you have to get your ego out of it as well, because it, you know, just because you know that you've created something that you think will benefit people and you know, they would get a lot of value out of if they don't want it, you will not be able to sell it. (laughs) So listen to what they're actually asking for huge lesson. I feel you there. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. Um, my audience knows that this is like, this episode is coming out as part of my, um, like launch series for Amy Porterfield's digital course Academy, which is going to be opening in a couple of weeks. Right now, um, Amy has registration to her boot camp open. So I want to talk a little bit about that at the end of the interview. So, but just know if you're kind of captivated by this conversation, and you're curious about courses, I'm going to have some resources and recommendations for you. But in the meantime, can you go back and tell us like maybe when you first discovered Amy or got like into her universe and how you learned about DCA? It would have been one of her really early courses I want to say 2013 <laughs> okay because it was around the time that I left my business partnership and decided to go back out on my own and started thinking about courses myself um now she it, I think it was the fake was it the Facebook lab or Facebook profit lab or something like that back then she was specifically oh. focused on Facebook at that point and I bought her course back then and uh, just kind of stayed she stayed on my radar and she never left <laughs> nice. so, so yeah a, I don't remember specifically but it was a yeah, long time I started ago. following her I started following her just a few months before DCA launched the first time so I joined in January 2019 which was the first launch right. but you've been buying her stuff for like years before that it sounds like yeah and I I just don't even remember kind of how she landed on my radar in the first place. It just, she's kind of just always been there. So, sure. so why yeah. you, what, okay. First of all, if you can remember, was there a reason you didn't join when digital course Academy first opened? Cause it sounds like you waited until the second launch until September. September. Yeah. Um, I don't recall. I think I just, I wasn't in a place to, I was still running the website development agency. I had dabbled in courses periodically since 2014. Didn't really know if that's what I was going to do since I hadn't really had a lot of banger kind of success with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and timing, I think I just, really it was timing. Like- I just wasn't ready. And then I thought, okay, next time this comes around, I'm, I'm in. I, I knew immediately when it was launched, I was ready to go. But it just goes to show, even when you think you've got a total clarity around what you're wanting to do, things can change in a heartbeat, but you need to be willing to be flexible if something comes along that feels like a better fit. So, I mean, it's finding that balance between sticking with something, but also knowing when it is time to move on to the next thing. So, okay. So you'd already been doing courses for a little while. What made you decide to join? Like, did you really think that you needed a course on how to create courses if you'd already been creating courses? Well, I wasn't selling a lot of them. So, <laughs> so it was more the, the marketing piece that you're like, oh, that's, that's going to be helpful. Yeah. I wanted to know 
you know, I probably had little pieces of the puzzle and I needed to fill in some of the missing pieces. There were gaps um, as far as like the tech stack piece of it and, and figuring out what to build it on and the kind of the technique to recording material and things like that. I'd already been experimenting with that, but I knew that I was not zoning in on the right topic. Um, I, it just, there were missing pieces for sure. And that's why I found that really early on in the program, it talks about validation and uh -huh. right there, I'm like, okay, that is what I I'm missing that right off the bat. I am not, I fell into that trap again of selling what I thought people needed rather than what they were asking for. Yeah. So this is why, I mean, doing the valid, my, when I did my validation calls at BCA uh, with like potential students, that was immensely helpful. It sounds like a similar experience. Well, and, and at that point, by the time I did the validation, I had already knew that I was going to be moving into the Canva topic instead, oh, nice. okay. which was great. Um, but it also, in addition to just really confirming that, yeah, there is a need and a want and an interest in this topic, it also gave me a lot of great content and messaging for my sales page when I got to that point, because I was hearing the same, you know, by have, knowing what questions to ask, I was hearing the same answers, same set of answers over and over. So it allowed me to, to really pinpoint what are the pain points that people are having and how is my course going to address those? So it allowed me to collect that language and then to feed it back to people when they were looking through my sales page so they could really see themselves in what I was describing. And what, I mean, what are we looking for, but a solution that feels like it was created just for our specific needs. So. Yeah. So what were you, so I would imagine, okay. So when I did my validation calls, I'll, I'll share, I was doing um, a course on like legally forming your business. And a lot of the things I heard over and over again were I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know who to ask. Should I do this on legal zoom? But a lot of it was on like confusion and empowerment like people wanted to know what they should be doing like they wanted knowledge for you Brenda I would assume it's a lot of the same kind of language probably came up around Canva like I'm confused how do I do it how do I do it how's it beneficial or was it more people saying like how do I get a polished like how do I get a polished look without having to like download like full Adobe suite or something it was a combination there was definitely those who were saying um, I am completely overwhelmed. I've never used it before. There's so many different features and options here. I just want to be able to create my checklist. I don't know how the hell to do it. So there are folks who needed to be walked through the building blocks and how to use components of it. Yeah. But there are also those, one of the biggest challenges I see people running into is, you know, everything I create looks cookie cutter. Everything I use, look, I, I create looks like a template. I can pinpoint other people's designs and I know they came from Canva and I'm doing the same thing and I don't want to, I want it to feel professional. I don't want it to look amateur, but I cannot afford to hire a graphic designer to do this for me. So it, it was kind of all of these sorts of things. And I realized there was just a real need to have something that would cover the basics, help people who are brand new to it or new to it, learn some of the fundamental foundational components to actually get up and running yeah. and using it. But how do they do it better? How do they spend less time on it? How, you know, providing a way for them to ask their questions so that if they're getting stuck on one thing, they do not spend hours trying to solve this problem when they have a lot of other work to do in terms of course creation. Do you ever so have I, I have this recently pop up for me, um, so I'm going to share that in a moment. But do you do you ever have this realization, Brenda, where you say something and you're like, "Oh, that's so smart." That thing that I said so smart, I have to write it down and then put it everywhere. Um, <laughs> that, that ever happened to you? I'll never admit it, Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> so I was having a conversation with someone my Instagram DMs, and essentially her story. And I hear this every once in a while. Um, it's definitely not the majority of people, but she essentially said. I made like $150,000 last year in my first year of business. And this year I'm like going to double my income and I haven't filed taxes yet. And I haven't paid taxes and I'm really embarrassed. And I just told her, I was like, well, clearly you're really good at marketing and you're really good at selling. So it's like your tax and legal knowledge. It's not that you, it's not that you're bad at it. It's just that your uh, tax and legal knowledge needs to catch up to your marketing acumen. And that really resonated with her. Um, and I was like, I'm going to put that on my sales page now. <laughs> But that's how, Brenda, that's how I feel about design. I think that's how maybe a lot of people feel is that I feel like I have a really good eye for design, 
but I am not able to actually create content, or at least it used to be, I'm getting better, but for a long time, I wasn't able to create content that met like my own standard for my own aesthetic. And so it was like, oh, well, my actual ability just needs to catch up to what I think is my impeccable taste and eye for design, which is uh, a lot of what probably a lot of what, what a lot of people are looking for when they want to get on Canva. Yeah, I think there's definitely a combination. There are some who that's not their skill set, um, but there are others who they really do. They know what they like. And it yeah. also, I think, makes it hard for them to outsource design because they have a hard time finding somebody who's a somebody else as well, who's able to create what they have in mind. And if they once they learn how to use the tool, they have the design the aesthetic sense yeah. to be able to create something beautiful, but they don't actually know how to get from here to there. So there's it, a real range of skill sets and interests and it, it runs the gamut. But um, I mean, if you are in a position where you're having to do it yourself, there's going to be a learning curve regardless of who you are. And I just have kind of found my niche, I think, in terms of helping people navigate those waters. Nice, nice. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit more about the DCA process. So you were in DCA. It, it sounds like if you if you figured out Canva was the way to go before you did your validation calls, that must have been very early. Because I remember doing it validation was. calls in like week two of the 12-week program. So, okay, you decided that you were going to do that. And then you started doing your validation calls. And um, I feel like I've already talked about Spotlight Starter and Signature courses on the podcast in the series, but I think that was in an episode that I already recorded, but that will be released after yours. So we can kind of re-explain that if needed. <laughs> but what did you, like, which direction did you decide with to go with your first course? Can you tell us what type of course it was going to be and then what you decided on for the title and the subtitle, if you remember? Oh God, um, <laughs> you're making me work here. I, I didn't okay, realize well, I'd well, be let's, tested. Let's, yeah, let's bring it down. <laughs> Did you decide to start with a Canva like starter course or was it like a big signature course? You know what, this was something I still, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, I've still struggled to figure out exactly kind of where I fit in because I priced it like a starter, but I think it really was more robust than that. And it sure. has certainly evolved since then. It's definitely signature now. Um, but it was, try, you know, trying to take them through the whole step soup to nuts of navigating it for the first time and then how to use all the features better and how to apply it. So I, I don't know, more of a, I think it okay. still was kind of a starter. Do you want to hear my pep talk on this, Brenda? Go for it. <laughs> you're like, not really, but I guess it's your podcast. So I was, uh, and you're, you're going to be doing that. Well, I don't know. Am I supposed to say that yet, Brenda? I, I cleared it today. We're allowed to, yes, oh, we're okay. allowed to awesome. say. Oh, I almost had to make an edit out. So for two cycles of digital course account, uh, for digital course account, oh my God, digital course Academy, I was, <laughs> uh, what's the term? What's the term? I already forgot. So it was a DCA ambassador. Ambassador, yes. So, but I that's was, been changed now. The, net, the okay. language. So now it's an advisor. Now? Advisor. Okay, beautiful. So I was an ambassador for two cycles. Brenda is going to be an advisor. Basically, what that means is we're inside the Facebook group with all of the students, answering the questions alongside Amy's team of social media managers and employees and liaisons and all those folks. And we're helping people kind of work through these issues. And Brenda, this one was a big one. People deciding if they want to do a starter course, a spotlight course, or a signature course. And my advice to them was always like, it, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't. I know. And that's yeah. why I just didn't get hung up on it. I'm like, I'm going to create what the people are saying they need. Yeah. And when I say it doesn't matter, and because I don't want people to think that like Amy's talking about something that doesn't matter. When I say it doesn't matter, I mean that it matters that the parameters, but like, a starter course is usually going to be like an introduction to some content and it's not going to be as comprehensive. So you're not going to charge as much for it. And a signature course is going to teach all of the things and a spotlight course is going to dive into a specific issue. So you kind of have those parameters so that you can prevent scope creep in your own program, because then you can tell yourself, if I'm going to create a starter course, it's going to be $97 Then I don't want to teach them everything under the sun or I won't have something to sell them later. 
but it doesn't matter for your marketing messaging because the people buying your program, they don't have any fucking clue what any of these things are. So it's not like you have to be able to explain it to them. So a lot of mine, a lot of them are going to be like hybrids because Brenda, we could say, here's the thing that I think is, well, some people might find confusing. I find it interesting. If you're, <laughs> if you were going to teach a course on graphic design, like you could have a signature course on graphic design, how to design in your own business. And then if you had a one-off course that's all things Canva, that would technically be a spotlight course, right? But if you're teaching, if your whole business is teaching Canva, then what you really have is a signature course. And that nuance like doesn't really matter. And I think that's what people get stuck on. Because they'll yeah, say, and oh, I like I'm a copywriter, but I want to create a course on creating sales pages. Is that right. you know a spotlight or a signature course? Who cares? Yeah. And <laughs> Ultimately, I didn't want that to be where I got stuck. I'm like, sure. I'm ready to go. I don't want to get hung up here. I mean, like I have this, I would call it a signature course now, but I also have evergreen, what I just call mini courses, but technically they are spotlight courses because they focus in on a particular challenge. So if, you know, like Canva for beginners, if you just want to yeah. nail the beginnings or clean up my canvas specifically about organization in canvas. So those are tackling specific pain points, whereas the larger program kind of goes A the whole shebang and all the group coaching and all the stuff that goes with it. So, yeah. So you may have multiple within your business. Yes. And same. I do. I have a lot of spotlight. I have a lot of spotlight courses. They're very fun. I like them. Just a like, fun little one-off how to form your LLC little course. Who doesn't love that? Right. Um, Okay, so you create this course, you're originally thinking starter course, but it, it sounds like you let a little, a little bit of scope creep in and you taught people a lot of stuff, which I'm sure they loved. Do you remember what the price point was? Uh, the first time I did it, I did a, um, just to test it out and validate it, $67. Okay, $67. And did you do like an Amy, excuse me, Amy Porterfield style launch for that? Like with the webinars and everything? No. Um, um no, at that point, because I'd had so much interest in the validation calls, like I had no problem getting validation calls set up, which validated it in itself, which was yes. pretty cool. Um, I would say my first cohort were all DCAers, <laughs> so for the most part, um, not entirely, but was that just an email launch then? Yeah, it, it an email launch more than an email launch, it was more it was just relationship building and all the people I'd been talking with and I mentioned it and it, it just was word of mouth really Fine. more than anything, which is not what students? is taught, but yeah. yeah, no, that's okay. Do you remember how many students you got? I want to say like 25. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. So good first cohort and for context for everyone that's like not really in this course space, most of you have probably attended a webinar, a masterclass, a training, whatever you go to the training, we pitch the program at the end of it. That's what Amy teaches you to do. Uh, and those convert really, really well. An email launch would just simply be like, you're not gonna do a webinar. You're just gonna send an email and invite people to buy your thing, right? So now um, I do a combination of both of those things in my business. Some launches are email launches, some launches are webinar launches. Um, and it really just depends on how much effort I wanna spend when it falls <laughs> in my calendar and how much uh, how much I think it's gonna take for you to buy something. Because I know yeah. like Brenda, you might be the same way. I know that if I do a webinar launch, I'm gonna have a lot more sales. It just works better, but I'm not gonna do a webinar launch every month of the year because that just doesn't make sense for me or for my audience. Well, and it's depending who you are, some people love doing it. I find them utterly exhausting. Plus, yeah. my audience is so geographically dispersed that uh -huh. uh, doing live trainings is not always most effective for me. So, um, yeah, yeah, so I do a lot of like pre-recorded trainings and stuff with the pitch at the end as well. So, yeah, kind of I guess to what I at least know that like 98% of my audience is within the United States. Given um, your topic, you know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the other 2%, they, they're probably digital nomads. And as much as I would like to accommodate them, I'm assuming that when you're a US person that like moves to Australia, you just accept that you're going to have to show up for things like every <laughs> once in a while. Exactly. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay, Brenda. So you created the course, had about 25 students. When was the first like big um, webinar style launch that you did? Did you end up doing one of those? Uh, I, I think it was 
Oh, Brayden, I don't remember. I know I did when I don't remember when it was though um, at all, but I did. I needed the time. That's just it. I got, I, because I validated it so quickly and people were asking for help right then. I'm like, I want to get this out and get this course going now. And then I'll learn from it. I knew it was going to be messy uh, and taking imperfect action, but I'm an executor. So I like to just get it done and see what I can learn from it. So I then finished going through the whole course. I wanted to put together a proper webinar and I, I feel like it was probably the spring of 2020 or possibly even the first real push I think might've been September, 2020. I think I took a good year cause I'm still balancing the website development agency at the sure. same time. Yeah. You have like another full-time business. I did mine like pretty fast and I still remember like program was in January. I launched with my first webinar launch in April, which was like a month after DCA closed. That's fast. Um, and I actually launched mine. And I think I've, sh- I don't remember if I've shared the story elsewhere, but my mom was diagnosed with ovarian, like stage three ovarian cancer. Um, this was now three years ago. She's actually going back through chemo now, but hopefully, you know, this cycle will go well. But I remember at the time, like I ended up going home to Indiana during my launch window, but I just did my webinars from my grandma's house, like rose wallpaper trim and everything. And it was interesting. And it kind of was an aha moment for me because although the circumstances were not ideal, like it was, I thought it was really awesome that I was able to be in Indiana for five full weeks with my mom while I launched a course because it proved to me that like I could really do that business like anywhere and under a variety of circumstances and I also remember at the time I was like well maybe I shouldn't be doing this while I'm here but then I also thought well like well the reason I'm trying to build this business model is so that I can have this kind of freedom and flexibility so it's an interesting kind of like time for me for sure um yeah the flexibility has definitely been a, a huge reason that I wanted to have an online business in the first place. Um, I mean, my, I have a child who needs extra support sometimes. And I am fortunately in a position doing what I do that I can, you know, I don't have a, a schedule that is inflexible that I can't go pick her up from school early if I need to, or just take extra time to be available. It, the flexibility for me has been, probably the biggest reason I went into it and the biggest thing that I am appreciative of in my life for sure. Does the course business give you, I mean, cause I would assume that web development is still like pretty, like it's all online. Right. But did you feel like more chained to your desk doing that? And that oh, hundred percent. Well, and think about what I do. I'm supporting people with their primary marketing vehicle. So when somebody's website goes down because something's happened at their hosting, who do you think they're calling at 11 o'clock on a Friday night when their website's gone down and their business relies on their website working? I never could take, it was hard to take any time off because even though technically I had, you know, specific work hours and in theory, I had boundaries. Um, I, felt, I felt like I was not serving them properly. If, if I knew their website had gone down and I'm like, it's Saturday morning, I can't help you. I couldn't, I couldn't live with myself. It just, I needed to make sure that everybody's stuff was doing what it needed to do. So it was very, very hard to take any sort of break. Now I was not the one doing the development itself. I had a team who was doing that. I had a lead developer who was an absolute dream and she's the person I'm sending all of my clients too. So I know they're taken care of when yes. I exit this business, but I still was the pun, the person who was responsible for client management and being the point of contact and making sure that everybody was getting what they needed. So I could not take a step back from it the way that I wanted to. I'm looking forward to at some point actually taking a vacation and not <laughs> checking my email. I can't, it's been years and years and years and years and years since I've taken, I don't think I've had a break from email since my honeymoon and I got married in 2007. Wow. Yeah. I'm going on vacation in three weeks, but I usually do check my email, but that's because I get like five a day. So I just like check them and right. most of them I don't have to respond to um, because I have a customer support email that my virtual assistant manages for me. 
just a yeah. way to a little different than a couple hundred emails landing in your yeah. inbox every day. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I, I, never, I never wanted that to be my journey. No. So we bypassed that step. Okay, Brenda, I have some questions about um, finances. If you're comfortable getting into them, I won't make you share like how much money you make every month if you don't want to share that. And I don't but... have, I will admit, I'm not great at um, tracking a lot of that stuff, knowing that off the top of my head. So I probably don't even have a lot of the answers we gotta, for you. We got to get your bookkeeping up to speed, but- um, Oh, really... it, it is. I just am not the one doing it. Oh, okay, so... sure, sure. What I'm mostly just curious about, Brenda, is- so you decided to shut down your uh, web development business. And what I'm curious about getting into is, have you been working to get your course-based business up to a certain amount of revenue to the point where you'd feel comfortable doing that? Was it, in, was this, is it unrelated? Like, tell us a little bit about that. I, that, I mean, that was the plan. And then I just got to the point where I realized I cannot do both of these things. I I don't have the mental bandwidth to build this course business to what I know it can become. So, and I don't recommend this for a lot of people. I was in a position at least that, you know, we've got ample savings and I trust myself. I've also been in business 22 years. I have the, I have the pieces in place already that I know I can make this transition fairly quickly. But it did get to the point where I realized that I can't do both. I am, I've been trying to, and I've proved to myself over and over and over that I will not get, I'm, I'm you know, a hair's thickness from this going, um, this really taking off, but I'm not going to see that happen until I'm able to really focus on all the pieces that I'm neglecting, if that makes sense. I, I yeah. think everybody's different. Some folk, there is, there's a lot of value in having a bridge job or hanging on to your your daily, uh, your your daily career and doing this on the side until you are comfortable making that transition. Especially if you've never done course creation in the past, I've been doing it, dabbling in it for so long, and I've been in business long enough that I know the time is right to just go. Okay, I'm all in. Um, but well, for like me, you did keep yeah, your bridge job for quite a while. I I did for a long yeah, time. My yeah. bridge job was my other business though. It's, it's, but it's the same thing. It's yeah. just, um, this has been in terms of the seeds of, I think it's time to start making a switch until now has been two years. Yeah. A lot of people. So a lot of people listening, you might be in a different, like they might be in a different position where they have a full-time job and then their uh, business that they do outside of those parameters is their service-based business, right? Like that's where most of my audience is. And I usually tell people, and the same advice would apply if you wanted to be a full-time course creator, which I am not recommending to the vast majority of people, no. No. Um, but the same advice applies. And that's, I usually tell people, first of all, how much money are you making in your business? Okay, $4,000 a month, let's just say, for example, how much money do you need to make in your business? Not necessarily to replace your full-time income, unless that is your goal, but how much money do you need to pay all of your expenses and be comfortable? And how many months do you think it's going to take you to get there? Well, we need at least that many months of savings, hopefully yeah. with some cushion. And then like that is buffer it. Yeah, yeah, buffer <laughs> it for sure. If yes. six if you think you're going to get to your business goal in six months, maybe give yourself 12 months of savings. But once you're at that point, like that's yeah. probably a pretty safe time to go. And it sounds like you've gotten yourself at least there going full time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, I was comfortable making the switch because I'm also able to, you know, I wasn't going to offer Canva done for you services and VIP days and stuff like that. But again, I'm listening to what people are asking for. And I knew that even if the courses are going a little slower than I would like, I have my time still that I can offer, but just doing something different, right. doing the Canva stuff instead. Yeah, that's actually, that's where I was for a while. I was like, my business is growing a lot slower than I want it to. Oh, that's where I was. Um, and I'm turning away money by not doing one-on-one work, not doing yeah. one-on-one work, but yeah. that was okay. But then Brenda, I ended up finding a way to do one-on-one -on -one services that I didn't hate, which actually was like doing VIP days. And I do well, I'm averaging like two a month, I think this year, maybe not. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping to do is maybe to, I don't want to do more than two a month because I do find it a little draining, but I did, I will say I did my first one last week and I actually really, really nice. loved doing it. Yeah. And I was happy with what 
was turned out. And, you know, I think that is something it's worthwhile putting some time into that, but um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm open did, to doing different things. I did five in a week and a half. Uh, oh, week, no, no. But mine are, they're, two hour, they're two hours, so it's not oh, a whole okay. day. Um, but it basically was like two hours a day for five days, which is still like a lot for me. But I had gone like three months without a single one-on-one client. So that's kind of more how mine roll. I do like little pushes. Um, yeah, I think I'll do a mixture of, of like 90 minute sessions and, um, yeah, I can do a lot more of those than I can do of an all day, you know, let's create your course materials kind yeah. of project. Nice. I like that. Okay. Um, I have an interesting question for you, Brenda. Um, this is something I meant to ask. So actually my friend Brandy's coming on the podcast for a very similar style format interestingly for no reason other than that i scheduled this interview first but brandy's interview actually took place first her interviews being released after yours i don't know why i feel compelled to share all of this um, <laughs> but i meant to ask brandy this and i forgot so you're going to get this question okay um, when would you tell someone not to get into online course creation and we don't want we don't want the answer of like oh like when you're not willing to put in the work well that goes without saying like for everything uh, or when you are just don't want to make money bad enough, like actually though, when should people not get into course creation? Oh, when should they but not have, get into course, course creation? Thoughts. I have some thoughts, but I'm curious what yours are. Yeah. I would, I listen, before you start teaching how to do something, you better have damn well have a track record of being able to prove that you can do it yourself. Sure. Sure. There's that. Um, are you not, your are ideas you not, that maybe are you not in agreement with the 10% edge philosophy? Do you think there should be like a 50% edge? I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. So Amy teaches this concept called the 10% edge and partially this is, I, you can tell I do affiliate launches really, really differently because I think most people, when they do a, an affiliate launch, they probably just regurgitate everything their mentor says. Whereas I don't think I have to agree with my mentor on everything to still sell my mentor's program. <laughs> Um, Amy talks about something she calls the 10% edge, which basically is that you only need to be 10% further beyond someone else in order to teach them on that topic, right? I see the face that you're making right now, but I could give a lot of examples, right? So like right now I'm trying to train to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So I'm definitely 10% beyond most people who are trying to run their first marathon, right? But I don't think I'm equipped yet to like teach a running course because I don't, haven't really gotten to the weeds about like when yeah. you should schedule certain, like I do my own schedule and it's like a little bit ha haphazard. Same thing with cooking. Like I love to cook. I'm probably 10% ahead of everybody, but I go more with like a 50 to 80, 50 to 80% edge. And what I mean by that is, um, I don't know how to do complicated partnership formations and I've never really formed a corporation. I, I don't do, I don't do like stock buyouts and these are really complex business formation things that I don't know. So I'm not going to say like I'm a hundred percent ahead of everyone in the topic of business formation, but when it comes to the niche that I operate in, I'm definitely probably 80 to 90% ahead of everyone. And I think that's a, a really key point is it depends what you're teaching and who you're teaching it to. I mean, there are some places where even if you have 20% edge, you probably are going to be able to give them a lot of value. But depending on what you're teaching, if you're teaching something that could royally screw up their business, if you get it wrong, I mean, you really want to make sure that you're very, very confident in what you're teaching. I, I mean, Canva, I'm never going to be 100% because they are changing the program on a daily basis, multiple times a day. And I can't be the knower of everything Canva related because the people within Canva often don't know some of the changes that are coming out yeah. until they come yeah. out. But I need to, to make sure that I am in a position to really fully support them. I need to make sure I have a, not just understanding how the components work, but actually how to, you know, best practices of using them. So if somebody is teaching business development or sales strategy or something of that nature, you, you need to have a track record of being able to see that it actually works and not just works for yourself. Because if you're teaching people from diverse industries, sales, for example, you're probably going to want to make, unless you're teaching them how to do sales in a very specific industry, you're probably going to want to make sure that you've got enough experience to that. What you are teaching is going to work for them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm also very, I'm, I'm a little more cautious and play it safe in terms of what I teach. I like to really feel like I have true mastery of it before I teach it. Yeah. Not everybody needs to to feel that way. 
and there's not a right or wrong there. That's my own personal comfort level. And that's where I feel most confident. I think a lot of the reason we talk about the 10% edge is because we, or I shouldn't say we, I, I, my assumption is that Amy talks about it because she's trying to help people get over their imposter syndrome. Yeah. That, that I agree with. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, you just need to take a really, really tough, tough look at like, do I have imposter syndrome? But like, actually, I know that I really do know, know my shit. It's, I feel like this applies really well to creative fields, right? If you're a photographer and you want to teach a course on photography, you might have like your favorite photographer in mind. And you're like, I can't take photos the way that they take photos yet. Like I'm not there yet. Or if you're like an artist, but you can still acknowledge that you're really, really good at your craft and you can teach people to be a photographer. I think that's what we're getting out with the 10% edge. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Also keeping in mind, Brenda, when you said um, it really depends on the industry that you're in, when you're talking about Canva, um, the other thing is, I guess what I'm coming up with as you're talking about it is there's like best practices with Canva, right? Like when it comes to work, like God knows my file folders in Canva are, can be a hot mess. I have spent a lot of time on it, (laughs) but there is a best practice, but there's not necessarily like a right and wrong. So you can't lead someone like too far astray. It's kind of just like, oh, well, I missed like, oh, there's like this cool feature that I haven't discovered yet. Not a huge deal if you miss that in your course versus some right. other areas where like, oh, well, if I tell you to form an LLC in Delaware and then you get hate <laughs> mail from the state of California, that's a problem. That's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. So different. Yeah. yeah I, the, kind of the, um, potential consequences are very different if uh if my way of organizing your canva folders doesn't work quite as well for you i mean nobody's going to lose their business over that so um yeah i mean the stakes are a little bit different the stakes are different obviously like the value of the course is absolutely the same it's just a little bit it's just a little bit scarier for me um back in like year one and a half of being a lawyer when i'm creating my first course um (laughs) At least that's how I felt at the time, but I was, that's why I started with like pretty simple stuff. That's the other thing. I think the way I like to think about it too, is I could say, all right, well, as a legal professional, I might be whatever arbitrary percentage ahead, but like, I'm going to start by teaching this simple concept that like, you don't need to be a lawyer to do like, it's, you know, I I don't know if that's really making sense. Okay. So the question we were talking about was when would you tell someone not to get into courses? Well, first of all, my answer would be like, if you don't like teaching, don't become a course creator. (laughs) If you don't like creating content, don't become a course creator. So like that's something, and that's something that might be like a little bit hard to tell. I feel like if you really like blogging, you might decide that you like it because blogging is content creation. Although it's different, you might you might find that you hate blogging, but you love creating video content and scripts. Um, I like love creating freebies and opt-ins, so that's why content creation made sense for me. Same thing with um, I don't think people will really know if they like launching until they do launching. But if you don't have an interest to grow an email list and grow an audience. Uh, and do that kind of business model, then it's probably not going to be for you either. Well, and along those lines as well, if, if you really don't want to have visibility at all, I mean, the only way, the only reason I'm seeing success now is that I'm willing to put myself out there. And that has been probably a big part of the reason that I struggled in those early days, 2014 to 2019 was I did not want to put a stake in the ground and stand up for something and be visible. Um, And I'm, very comfortable being visible now. And I love getting on podcasts and I love getting into Facebook communities and asking questions and, and all of this, but you're going to have to be prepared to put yourself out there to some degree. And if you're not ready to do that, I mean, there's, there's different levels. You don't have to go on podcasts, but you're going to have to find some way yeah. to connect with people. So they know that you exist. I was going to say to play devil's advocate to that point, we were uh, just chatting with my friend L before this. And I would argue that she has a pretty large business with fairly low visibility, at least with herself in her business. Um, But her business is is visible. I see her stuff. It it doesn't necessarily have to be your face on camera. That's not what I mean by being visible, but I mean, you need to actually get out there and connect with people. And she's one hell of a connector as well. I mean, I met her in another Facebook group that we were in. And did I see a lot of her in the group? No, but she reached out to me directly and she was taking steps to connect with people. 
And if you, it, it doesn't happen. It's not some magic recipe that just happens. It, you, yes, there is work. You're going to have to put some time into it. And if you're not, if you are expecting, I guess that's another thing. If you are expecting to just watch a few videos and poof, you have a, a f- successful course business. I have news for you. <laughs> yeah. well, that's a, that's yeah. a good point because L is very good at business development. She does a lot of that on the back end, but her, yeah. her, her face is not really the face of her business. And that's more of an yeah. intentional choice. I would just argue that for a lot of people, just like getting on camera on Instagram stories is one of the easiest ways. It's not the most necessary way, but I think it's one of the easiest ways to be visible, but there are other ways you could do it. And like, that makes my skin crawl. I, I hate getting on camera. I, I, and I know you're comfortable on, I, I watch your Instagram stories. I, I, but you have probably never seen one from me because I don't like doing that. I think there are different comfort zones for different people. Um, If you don't like being on camera, go with an audio sort of platform. I do a lot of podcast interviews. I do a lot of, um, I like lead magnets as well and doing trainings where it's just slides and walking people through Canva, but they hear my voice. I'm comfortable with that component. So finding where your comfort zone is so that you're not terrified of creating content. And it's not even about being scared about it. It's, it shouldn't feel like a slog to do it find the platform and the medium that's going to feel comfortable with you. Cause there's a lot of different ways that you could create content and surely there's some format out there that will not only be doable, but feel fun to do as well. Agreed. 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 Okay. So let's flip the script on that question. So this will be kind of our last question discussion point, and then we'll start to wrap up. So we talked about when someone should not get into courses on the flip side, when should someone get into courses? Like, how do you determine, okay, yeah, this is a, a business model or not even a business model, but like an additional revenue stream in my existing business that makes sense for me, my strengths, my skill sets and wishes. I mean, I think if you feel like you have a particular framework that you're walking through with all of your clients and you, I mean, you can't work with everybody one-on-one, but if you have a particular structure and and framework that you teach and you know, you could just record something and have people self-direct themselves to walk through it or do it in a group environment. If you think there's another way that you could take what you currently do and present it differently so that you could work with more people, I think it's worth entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I also really like, um, this really stuck with me because Amy probably said this in like 2019. And I think she just simply said, once you're getting tired of answering the same question or saying the same thing over and over and over again, that's an ideal time to put that thing in a course because obviously it means you've gotten really good at explaining it because you practice it so many times and the same people are having the same question pop up all the time. So I think for my audience in particular, this can be if your clients are asking you that question, but it could be if peers are asking you that question. So if you're a photographer and people see that you get a shit ton of traffic to your blog all the time, okay, well, maybe you're going to create a course on blogging for photographers, just a random example. It is like, what are people always asking you about? Um, And I think the second part, if we're answering the question, when should you create a course? Do you actually enjoy answering those questions? Yeah. <laughs> so it's start to feel tedious. That's fine. But you don't mind like going back and forth via a voice memo or like texting on Instagram. You're like, oh, this is actually isn't my business. Like I could probably charge this person for a consultation, but I'm just like doing it because I enjoy it. Well, you might find that you really like to be a course creator. Yep. I think that's an, an ideal sign. Um, and to not feel like you have to create a signature huge course about whatever it is. I mean, if there's just one thing that people are asking you a lot of questions about, create a small course on the side, see if you like it before jumping in full-fledged. So I think I should have, I should have, uh, you know, we both know Renee because you're in the wedding industry at a time too. Um, Renee does this so well. She has a lot of smaller courses um, and she did, I think the last bundle that we did together, her course was called Crusher Consult. I always have a yes, hard time saying I remember I that why, one. Yeah. Why I emphasize the word consult so much. Like <laughs> so consultation sounds a lot easier. But anyway, that is a very niche course, right? So if you're a wedding planner, yeah. you're going to have obviously you're going to be working with these clients like 
this big amount of time. That's one specific moment in time. And that's something that Renee clearly thinks she does extremely well. Um, she probably had people tell her like, oh, how do you, I actually remember we're talking about this. She's like, how are you doing your consultations in a half an hour? Mine are always two hours long. I'm spending all this time. She's like, no, 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 no. This is what we need to do. Yeah. So think about, and you might even think, I think well, this is what, this is another area where the 10% edge comes in. You don't have to have a $200,000 business. You don't have to have a seven figure business, but if there, there could be one very specific thing in your business that you do really well. And that could be your 10% edge that you're teaching people. On. Yep. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right, we'll, real quick before we do your conclusion, Brenda, we have multiple here. If people are interested and learning more about this topic, Amy is doing her live bootcamp, which is going to be amazing. I will be kind of jumping in and out of the live bootcamp um, along with my folks who sign up, but it's titled Course Confident, a five-day live bootcamp to nail your digital course topic, attract your audience, and show up with confidence online. Uh, inside of the bootcamp, Amy's going to teach you what you might want to teach, which Brenda and I have talking, been talking about a little bit here. Uh, what you might be able to charge, how to structure your course content, and how to grow your audience now so that you are ready to enroll people when you launch. So it's a great way to get started because it's only $47, uh, and you're able to invest a little bit um, and maybe actually come up with what you would be doing in Digital Course Academy before it even launches. Uh, and if you join with my link, which we will put in the show notes, I get 100% affiliate commission, which is beautiful. Everyone wins. Whoa. Okay. That is nice. So that is really nice. So Brenda, we want to make sure that you're winning a little bit as well. Um, this is the last question I ask everyone. It's very serious. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. Yes. Okay. So my audience knows that I have a free Facebook group called Braden's Besties. Brenda, mm -hmm. I think you're a member, right? I am. So yes. if uh, people listening, if you are not one of my besties yet, and you would like to be, you should go join the Facebook group. Brenda, if my folks would want to become one of your besties, what's the best way for them to do that? To jump on over to howtousecanva.com and they will be forwarded to my Facebook community that has lots of wonderful business owners in it. I think we're about 7,800 people now. So it's a big old group. So howtousecanva.com, that'll land you in the group. Lots of tips, good place to ask questions and to find all the other kinds of freebies and fun things that I have. That's a good domain name you got there too, but I shouldn't be surprised oh, from a website. I grabbed oh, that oh. years ago <laughs> before I even knew what I was going to do with it. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit of your journey. Uh, thanks for asking me, Braden. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.